to the Cinema Rack, where we celebrate the greatest and worst in Hollywood films and their most self-indulgent narcissistic actors, directors, and producers. Here, we will laud and malign Hollywood's seedier elements with levity and humor. They love cinema as much as anyone does. They've been talking about it for over 30 years. Time to get trashy. Here's Gregory in May. Hello everybody, this is Gregory, welcome back to another episode of The Cinema Rag. I hope you're doing well today. Today I'm going to posit a question. Is Anna de Armas a good actress? Now, why do I bring this up? Well, Anna de Armas' fame is increasing. We know that she recently got a nomination for an Academy Award for her portrayal in the Marilyn Monroe movie, Blonde. If you don't know much about her, she is 34 years old and she's Cubana. She's from Cuban. She's 5'6". She was previously married back in the early teens. And I think the large majority of people did not know who she was until she started two things. She was in Knives Out, the... Ryan Johnson movie starring Daniel Craig. They just recently had the sequel on Netflix called Glass Onion. So she was in that movie and she was kind of the lead playing the caretaker of the elderly man who was murdered. And then around that time, she started to date Ben Affleck. Now this was Ben Affleck post-divorce from Jennifer Garner, obviously. And after he ended a relationship with Lindsay Shookus, who was a Saturday Night Live producer, who recently got fired from Saturday Night Live. So they started dating around this time. And if you watch Knives Out, she's not really attractive in that movie. They've really made her look like a nurse, a nurse assistant. I think she plays like a home health aide or a nurse assistant in the movie. So they intentionally make her look not dressed up and glammed up. And also in the movie, you, you, she doesn't look like she, probably at that time would have been 31 or so, but she looks like she's 21 years old in that movie. So she does that movie and gets attention for it. Now she's like the up and coming actress. She's cast in some stuff that's going to come out in the future, namely Blonde, the Marilyn Monroe movie that did eventually come out on Netflix, and also the Adrian Lyne movie Deep Water, which, uh, if you don't know his work, he is most famous for doing all the cheating movies, most notably Fatal Attraction and Unfaithful. Fatal Attraction, of course, Glenn Close and Michael Douglas, and Unfaithful with Gear and Diane Lane. So Deep Water came out, and they, she was working on those two. If you, if you, incidentally, Deep Water is on Hulu, I believe, if you haven't seen it. And so she starts dating Affleck, which no doubt, coupled with, coupled with the, the uh, Knives Out, elevates herself. So it's not uncommon for people to date famous people to increase their celebrity. I mean, this has been the case since the beginning of Hollywood. Typically, it's the beautiful woman who starts dating the successful producer or the successful actor to give herself some fame. So is it shocking that she did this? No, of course, not at all. So she dates Ben Affleck, and they date for some time, and when they broke up, there were some like stories as to what it was. Her, her group essentially said they broke up because she could, this was during COVID, they were hooking up during COVID while filming 
the the movie Deep Water. So if you if you're not familiar with the movie, there they played a married couple where essentially Affleck is a uh, is the cucked husband. She knows his wife, played by Anna Armas, is uh, loose. Let's say, and I'll keep the plot vague. Interesting movie. You know, it's like like a lot of Adrian Lyne movies. It's like a psychosexual drama. So they're kind of in COVID lockdown while at the same time doing this movie. And when it ended, her camp said that she didn't like living under the kind of the paparazzi world because Affleck, of course, is world famous and she's up and coming and she's beautiful. And so they were always being photographed walking the dog and all these things. And and that was that was one of the things. The other thing that came out, who knows which side, which camp said this, is that she wanted to have children and Affleck doesn't want to have any more children. He has three children with Garner. Now, if this is true, I think it's probably nonsense because two years have passed and she still isn't pregnant and she's 34 and she's running out of time. And now that her, her career is even more famous, she's likely going to make that cardinal mistake a lot of women make, especially in Hollywood, where they keep delaying having children for the sake of their career and then sometimes they never have children or sometimes they have to adopt children or have kids by surrogate and so forth. So they broke up. Now, at that point, Casey Affleck came out and said some words of shade about Anna DeArmas during the breakup. And there were some reports that she dumped him and that he was devastated by it. Again, we don't know these people. Who knows which source said what and what's true, what's not true. But by the end of that relationship, people knew Anna DeArmas. And when that relationship ended, it was before the release of Blonde. So since then, she's been dating some guys, which we'll talk about at the end. Her career after Knives Out, so Knives Out was 2019. Then she was in No Time to Die, where she plays a spy called Paloma. No Time to Die is the last of the James Bond movies, and it's not good. It's not good at all. And it's interesting because a lot of people are like, oh, she's amazing in it, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. She's not. Angela Ormus has yet to demonstrate any range. She is almost like the Jennifer Lopez of the Cubans. Go to that episode of The Empress Has No Clothes on Jennifer Lopez. She, every, every role I've seen her in, and look, I could be wrong because I've not caught every work of her over, but everything I've seen of her, she has the, the, the Cuban accent, just like J-Lo can't get rid of her accent. But in that James Bond movie, people are like, oh, she needs a spin-off. I'm like, uh, no, she doesn't. There's nothing special about her in the movie. And then the following year, of course, Deep Water comes out, plays with a Cuban accent. And then Blonde comes out. And look, here, here's my take on Blonde. Here's my take on Blonde. This was uh, Andrew Dominic, I think, directed it. And it's for me. In May, I can ask May the next time we do a live interview, a live uh, episode together. I find that movie unwatchable. I could not watch that movie. I watched maybe 20 minutes of it. And it was different than how I thought about Elvis. See, Elvis, I could not watch. I tried three times. And it was for various factors, which I'll talk about in a second. I couldn't watch it. Let's take a break. I wanted to let you know about the other feeds that we have here at the Eclectico Gregorio channel. We have The Awakened Man, which has been around since the spring of 2017, which mostly focuses on having men and women reach their full potential by knowing about toxins in the food, big pharma cover-ups, and ways to biohack your life. 
We also have the Female Holistic Health Apothecary, which is a channel that originally started as an essential oils channel. And there's about 65 essential oils that are broken down over there. And then more recently, about two years ago, I just pivoted and made it more about female holistic health and naturopathic health because I'm a big proponent of let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And lastly, we have the Confessions of an Obese Child feed, which I started in January 2017, which chronicles what it's like to be an overweight child. I was an overweight child and I lost over 100 pounds and kept it off for 30 plus years. So it's a channel, like if you have disordered eating or had a dysfunctional childhood, how to deal with that, how to how to function with that, and also discusses and I interview various people that have a similar background of dysfunctional childhood, binge eating, binge drinking, and how to deal with that. And there's a lot of great interviews over there. So those are the three other feeds at the Eclectico Gregorio channel. Now let's get back to the show. So with Elvis, it was partly because I just don't like Baz Luhrmann, his directing style. Part of it was just Tom Hanks is horrendous in that movie. And I just don't like the movie and I try to get through it. I just can't, I can't stomach it. Now with Blonde, at least, at least I think Luhrmann has talent given his, his other works like Australia and Long Rouge and Gatsby and all these things. I just find his directing style to be a little too frenetic for my taste. Now with Blonde, which you can catch on Netflix, Blonde, just the kind of ethereal visual making of Dominic, I just couldn't stand. And I just, I look, I get it. The, 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 the movie's goal is to, to kind of humanize Marilyn Monroe and to see that she was, you know, on a lot of drugs and, and sexually sexualized, which we all know. And, and she, I mean, look, it's, it's I, I don't have a problem with her getting the nomination for it. Because as she's come out and admitted that 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 role was very hard for her, is she good in it? I think I've I saw enough of it to see that people gave her blood for it. And it's justifiable. Does she deserve it? I don't know. I think it's just one of those. She's got no chance to win Best Actress, but it's one of those just nods we're going to give to an up and coming actress, and and the, and the role was hard. That being said, are we going to give Academy Award nominations to every actress that says she has a hard time doing the movie? She's the one who makes herself nude in the movie and objectifies herself. She makes these choices. I, I, I don't have any sympathy. You made this choice to sexualize yourself for this role. And look, I guess in the long run it paid off because you got it. Now you're Academy Award nominee and an Armas. So I think she definitely, I mean, I wouldn't say she definitely, but I could see why she was nominated for the role. Now, do I think Anna de Armas is talented? We will see. She is doing a movie called Ballerina which is in pre-production, which essentially going to be her as a ballerina is also a spy. So we'll see like a killer assassin. And I'm assuming it's going to be like her character Paloma on No Time to Die. I will say she's got talent when she can get rid of the accent and do a role where she doesn't have to be sexed up and gussied up. Now you could argue she did this role on Knives Out to some effect. But as a whole, to me, she is still like I mean, I always say early Salma Hayek, early J-Lo, where she's essentially getting cast for her sultry sexiness and not necessarily for her talent. And if that continues, she's going to end up having a career that is completely contingent upon her beauty and her looks, and she's already 34. So give it three, four years, and she'll already be 
put out to pasture, like we talked about in that episode, how why Hollywood puts these actresses out to pasture when they reach a certain age. So I am skeptical. I am not buying stock on Anna de Armas as a whole. I don't think she's that talented. But I'll post something at the cinema rag, and you can let me know what you think. Guys, there's two links in the episode notes. One is for PayPal if you want to make a little donation, because I don't make any money off of this enterprise. And the other one is the link for the Eclectical Gregorio feeds, all the episodes, all, there's probably like 600 episodes over there. You can go check them out. Until next time, take care. God bless and pray. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Rag. Please post an honest review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out the episode notes to visit our website and to make a donation. Lastly, follow the rag today. Until next time.